back to the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our NFL previews in the NFC North, popping on out to the KDOS hotline. Cassidy Hill with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Kind enough to join us to talk all things Green Bay Packers. Cassidy, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you doing today? Hey, guys, I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, you know, we kind of have to start here, right, with the biggest story that happened in the offseason with the Green Bay Packers. That's, of course, Aaron Rodgers moving on to the New York Jets and the reins at quarterback being turned over to Jordan Love. Love sat behind Rodgers since the 2020 draft. He has a 10 total games played in his short career here. So where is the assessment from coaches from Jordan Love himself and from your perspective at where he is in his development and and how much is the offense going to be changing with Love at the helm? I think there's, you could say, reasonably cautious optimism. You know, there's a lot of optimism about what Jordan Love could be as the years go by, but I don't think anyone, coaches included, thinks that's going to happen this year. You know, they've tempered expectations a lot. They've actually used that exact phrase, that we need to temper expectations. Just because the first year is always going to be rough. Rogers' first year was rough. Plenty of guys' first year is rough. You know, Peyton Manning was here and visited with the team, and and he talked about, you know, how he had um, a rookie season that stood in the record books for all the wrong reasons for a really long time. And that... You know, Jordan Love is not a rookie, and so that's why there's a little bit more optimism that, you know, it won't be quite as rough. But Aaron Rodgers was not a rookie either. He sat on the bench for the same amount of time as Jordan Love. He came in that first year, and they went 6-10 and 10 or something along those lines. And so, you know, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, um, older players have all said, you know, this is probably going to be a rebuilding year or, or, or a year with some bumps along the way. That being said, the state of the division works in their favor. You know, they could reasonably make it in as a wild card into the playoffs. I think that would be best case scenario because no one's really expecting that. He also has a lot of young receivers around him, which does not necessarily work in his favor. They are receivers that he has chemistry with just because they've spent time on the scout team together. They've spent time in California together over the summer, but they are still young. When your top three receivers are all going into the second year, you know, there's going to be some growing pain. Uh, that being said, the biggest thing that could work in Jordan Love's favor and what's going to have to be is the defense. You know, they've got eight first-rounders on this defense. That's going to be what has to keep them in games this year. Meanwhile, the Packers last year were kind of the defin- definition of average or maybe a little below average. They were 8 9 they right. averaged 21.8. Actually, they scored the same number of points uh, and allowed the same number of points, but they were 14th league-wide on offense. They were 17th on defense. So which area is most likely to improve this season, the offense or the defense? You would hope it's the defense because they almost have to improve. The offense is, is likely going to take a step back. That's what happens when you lose Aaron Rodgers when you lose so many um, veteran receivers like Randall Cobb and, you know, tight ends like Mercedes Lewis and, and even Robert Tunyon to that fact. But the defense has to improve. This is still largely the same defense. The only starter they lost was Adrian Amos, um, and that was by their choice. You know, they didn't want to re-sign him. But like I said, uh, other than 
losing Adrian Amos, this is still a, a defense that's returning everyone. Um, it's adding more talent. It, as I said, it has eight first-rounders. There's no reason for them to put on the field the same thing they did at the first half of last year. You saw the defense start to kind of put it together towards the end of last season. Can they carry that on will be the difference. You know, we talked a lot to Russell Douglas and to Jair Alexander this past week, and they said they had talks with defensive coordinator Barry over the offseason about wanting to be more aggressive and, and making that a point. And I asked Jair Alexander, I said, how was that different than last season? And he kind of smirked, and he's like, I don't know. We'll just have to see. And so that's going to be the biggest difference. Can they play a little bit more aggressive? Can they let Jair play more man, follow a guy's number one receiver? You know, look at the, the Minnesota Vikings game in week one last year versus the Minnesota Vikings game towards the end of the season and week. They all run together by the end of the season. I want to say week 15, week 14. That's a completely different defensive approach. Which one do they take at the onset of this season? That's going to be the biggest difference maker. And if they approach the beginning of the season the way they did the latter half of last season, the defense should take a massive jump ahead. Cassidy Hill, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel here on the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. Listening to you talk here about, you know, kind of the defense having to really step up at the beginning part of the year as the offense is trying to figure itself out and just the perception of things rebuilding, maybe retooling is a better term for this Green Bay Packers team. How much pressure then is on Matt LaFleur to excel with Jordan Love, to bring that development process along? You talked about the young receivers that Jordan Love has to work with. So, uh, you know, obviously Matt LaFleur has had success with Aaron Rodgers, 49 and 22 in his coaching uh, tenure with the Packers. So how much pressure now is on LaFleur to get this, uh, I don't want to say turned around, but moving in a good direction <laughs> with a with a new group of, of characters? Turned around, fair. And there's going to be a lot of pressure. I think he gets a honeymoon year with Jordan Love just because it, there's like I said, tempered expectations with Jordan Love this season. Um, but what he does with Jordan Love is going to really sort of define his legacy here with the Packers because this is where he can make his mark. You know, it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's someone that it's a quarterback that he can shape. There's always been um, an understanding that there were two different offenses within this organization as well. There was Matt LaFleur's offense and there was Aaron Rodgers' offense. And sometimes they work together and sometimes it was like never the twain shall meet and, and so now that he has a quarterback that's going to be running his offense that he's developing what do we see on the field as I said he, he's going to get a year but next year will be the make or break year and how does Jordan Love develop this year what does Jordan Love look like at the end of the season compared to the beginning of the season that's going to determine how much longer Matt LaFleur is in Green Bay Okay, so aside from the quarterback part, what about the offense and or who, uh, what or who are you most kind of observing <laughs> from now and the start of the regular season? What, what are you paying much, most attention to, basically? Well, the one guy that just has to catch your eye in training camp so far is Jaden Reed. He is a rookie, um, but again, because of the, the relative youth, of this offense, he's going to ask to be played right away. He's primarily been taking slot receiver reps at practice, which is something different than what he's done in a while. He did that as a 
uh, freshman in college, but then he transferred to Michigan State, and he has not played a lot. Um, but by putting him in the slot, they're able to adjust what Christian Watson and what Romeo Dobbs does and use Mari Torre more as, in a rotational aspect, kind of at all three positions. So if Jaden Reed can play slot for the Packers this season, that could be the biggest difference maker to this receiving core. And when doing so, we I think there has not been a snap in practice yet that hasn't had pre-snap motion. And majority of the time, 75% of the time, it's Jaden Reed that's in motion. And, and they've been able to work some end-arounds with him, some jet sweeps. And that's really kind of a staple of Matt LaFleur's offense that we haven't seen a ton with Aaron Rodgers here. And, and so if Jaden Reed can sort of be that cog, that weapon – then you're going to be able to see Matt LaFleur's offense on the field a lot sooner. And like I said, he's someone that just has to catch your eye in training camp because he is fast. He does have great hands, and, and he's really kind of developed a chemistry very, very quickly for a rookie. I want to stick with the offense, but I guess talk about the veterans, the running back tandem here, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. You know, how is that two-headed monster going to be deployed? And could we maybe see that be relied upon a little bit more uh, as Jordan Love gets his his feet underneath him? Absolutely. And, you know, here in Green Bay, we call them 1A and 1B. It's not a, it's not a running back one and running back two. They're both running back one. And it's just based on who needs to be used when because they're so incredibly different, but both incredibly productive. And I I think you see even more two-back sets with both of them because then you can run an RPO that really has double the amount of options because both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones can flex out as a receiver. They can be used as a receiving weapon. But, you know, A.J. Dillon is more of the check-down receiving option Aaron Jones is more of a deep receiving option. Like, he can legitimately go deep. And, you know, we saw last year in Philadelphia, he had a drop. But if he had pulled that in, that was arguably Jordan Love's best throw of the season. And that was a deep, explosive play. And so, and of course, you can also hand off to them because they're both incredibly capable running backs. We've seen some two-back sets in the backfield so far during training camp. And so they're absolutely going to rely on those two so, so heavily especially as the season starts, just because they're going to need time to sort of get these receivers more acclimated to taking, you know, the majority of the snaps and not just coming in as a rotation. And as that develops, you're going to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon sort of carry this offense, I believe. Defensive coordinator Joe Barry, that's LaFleur's guy. Uh, are you surprised <laughs> he's back? Uh, am I nuts? Maybe I'm just nuts for asking. Yeah, maybe I, yeah, maybe I'm nuts for asking that question. Uh, so what what must the defense do better this season so I'm not asking that question again? <laughs> well, I think it goes back to what Rasul and Jair were saying about just needing to play more aggressive. That has to be the difference. When you have that much talent on your defense, it, there has to be a common denominator. There's no way, at least in my mind, there's no way eight first-round picks don't pan out. Nobody's that bad of a judge when it comes to scouting. You have eight first-round picks, and, and technically it's been seven because Lucas Van Ness is a rookie. He makes the eighth one this year. There's no way seven first-round picks don't pan out. There's something else there that is an issue, that is a problem, and, and what's the common denominator is it, the defensive coordinator. That being said, if they can adjust, you know, 
something I asked your soul Douglas about last week was could you just simply play mixed coverage? I know that requires a lot of communication, but we saw more communication with Douglas, Jair, Keyshawn Nixon towards the end of the season. Could you play mixed coverage just to rely on the talent of who you have and instead of trying to shoehorn somebody into a team? And he's like, yeah, that's kind of what we want to do. And so I think you also see a different shift in the front seven. They're going for a different identity in the front seven. It might take a while to get there, and, and that's going to be part of the rebuilding as well. Um, but the shift that you see in the front seven is to more uh, a, a twitchier, faster front seven, more guys in a two-point stance as opposed to their hand in the ground. You know, when I first got here, it was a lot of five-man front. You just can't play that as much as today's NFL. If you're going to negate the RPOs, if you're going to negate the options, if you're going to negate guys like Patrick Mahomes, Justin Fields, you have to play a little bit more stand-up in that front line. And I think we see more and more of that. You know, they're putting uh, Kenny Clark more on the outside because they want to put T.J. Slayton in at nose tackle because he's a big guy. They want to put Devontae Wyatt in at tackle. And as such, Kenny Clark's playing a little more in. And that's just because he's versatile enough to do that. And it, you've got Kenny Clark coming off the edge. It's a hard man to block. And so it, there might be some growing pains in that defense as well. But I think you're seeing it shift the way it needs to to play in today's NFL. And if you're letting your corners play to their talent, which is what it sounds like is the plan, then you can get through those growing pains a little bit easier through the first half of the season as they sort of figure it out. Cassidy Hill, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel talking all things Green Bay Packers with us here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. Uh, defensively as well, you had mentioned him. Uh, the team drafted Lucas Van Ness in the first round at linebacker. You also are talking about all the other first rounders that are on this team. So is there a place for him? Is he getting first team reps or is it more of just a wait and see approach with him at this point? He is getting first team reps. I would hesitate to say he's running with the first team just yet. You know, to me, running with the first team means that you're consistently in there when the first team is out there, especially during team drills in the two minutes. He's still sort of rotating in there. However, he is getting more and more first team reps every day his training camp goes by. You know, at the rate he's going, he might be on the first team by the end of training camp. And I think they really need him to be. You know, he he spoke to us last week and said he spoke to us and said, you know, they need me, or he was asked you need to be ready by week one to give them some beating room with getting Rashawn Gary back from his ACL tear. And he's like, that's the plan. Like that, that has to be the plan. And so he knows that he's going to be asked to, to contribute right away. As of right now, it's Preston Smith and Justin Hollins. Justin Hollins is someone that they brought in um, off waivers about midway through last season, really good special team player and ended up having to contribute a lot at outside linebacker and, and inside linebacker just due to injuries um, and ejections with Quay Walker. And so they have Justin Hollins there, but obviously if they can get Lucas Van Ness ready, and that's an accelerated learning curve. That's one of the hardest positions on defense to learn quickly, especially adjusting this to the speed from college to the NFL. But if they can get him ready by week one, they have a lot more time to let Rashawn Gary easily come back from his ACL tear as opposed to pushing him and, God, that would make a world of difference. Okay, last up for me, uh, the Packers' uh, consensus season win total is seven and a half wins. They only won eight last year, so seven and a half wins, that seems like a fair number. So over or under seven and a half wins this year? Hmm. Based on the 
team itself, I would say seven and a half sounds about right. I would maybe even take the under. But based on the rest of this division, and, and I hesitate to say this because obviously Minnesota has showed us what it can do the past couple of years. Detroit Lions are really coming on over the past couple of years. I think they're going to be strong this year. But the Vikings always seem to find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Detroit might still be a year away, but they could actually win the division this year. I think there's still an option there for a wild card spot, as I said. And so I wouldn't, I'm not going to be surprised when they win six. I won't be shocked when they win eight. <laughs> That's my way of getting around and saying it could be either or. I, they legitimately could win eight. They're, they're going to lose a game they shouldn't. They're going to win a couple of games that they shouldn't. And it's just going to be, um, you know, sort of rallying around Jordan Love, a galvanized thing. They're going to win a game off defense and special teams. Having Keyshawn Nixon back as returner is a huge difference. He makes a difference on special teams. They're going to win a game because of defense and special teams. They're going to win a game because Jordan Love finally something just clicks. And like I said, they're going to lose a game or two that they shouldn't. Um, so that being said, anywhere from six to eight, which makes that line sound just about right, I, I – I would maybe take the over just because I'm a little optimistic. But yeah. don't, 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 don't take my word for it. You should probably hit the under. <laughs> <laughs> Cassidy, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for the conversation today, and we'll do it again during the season. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much, guys. Y'all have a good day. You as well. Once again, she is Cassidy Hill, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel right here on KDUS AM 1060.